You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. Get off the phone. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. <laughs> We're thrill seekers. <laughs> well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to a Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Uh, not too bad. How about yourself? Pretty good. You know what? I, I just... just <laughs> it just occurred to me, and I don't know why. Imagine, because we've talked about him a few times, probably. Imagine if we tried to do this show with Bill. Yeah, that'd be something. Oh, he would not understand what's going on. He wouldn't be able to keep up. When's the last time you talked to Bill? Like in the 90s, probably. Oh, wow. Really? That long ago? Yep, I didn't really keep up uh, after hike school or anything. After hike school, is, is that when you were yeah. you were a long snapper? Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I just like uh, I, I really don't think I saw much after high school at all. I mean, much as he uh, suggested, and I kind of took this as like his lead. We're just gonna all drift apart anyway. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, don't bother keeping track of you. That is funny. He did say that. I forgot about that. We're all so just first, gonna just drift apart. That was the one thing in his life he was right about. Yeah. Speaking of drifting apart, Mike, did you watch the new trailer for Borat 2? Yes, I did. I, I was uh, very happy to see it. It looks funny. Uh, I imagine it'll be funny. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, uh, it's Borat. I think I like Sasha Baron Cohen a lot, and I think that um, I think that it's an interesting... It, I think it's an interesting kind of way to not necessarily cover it but you know like when he came out with Borat the first time a lot of people didn't know who he was and they didn't recognize him dressed up as Borat because that was you know kind of like the one of the first times that he'd ever done it was for that movie and now of course everybody knows well not everybody but a lot of people know who he is and, and what Borat is so you know like he kind of like they write it into the movie that his first quote documentary was successful so people recognize him so he's got to wear disguises and things like that but yeah it looks it looks very funny there's a couple instances there's a couple things i think it's amazing that he filmed this during the pandemic and, and everything and at one point he convinces a family to let him quarantine with them well i think he was in south carolina at least that's what i read mm-hmm and the people he was quarantining with didn't seem to be like, you know, the type who didn't believe in such a thing anyways. So I don't know. But yeah, it's 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 going to be fun, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. That's coming out and it's 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 well, it's not free because you pay for Amazon Prime, but it's, um, you know, you don't have to pay any additional for it. And it's right in our homes. So I love that. I love all of that. Yeah, Amazon has been pretty uh, doing some pretty good stuff lately. I mean, I enjoy The Boys. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't think it's like even comparable to a show like The Watchmen. It's just like a fun show to watch, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like how Game of Thrones was or even like True Blood at the beginning. It was just like a kind of fun, you know, almost like not campy, but I mean, you know, it's obviously outside the realm of possibility for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like an escapist fantasy. We're definitely going to be covering covering that movie or that TV show later. But uh, speaking of movies, Mike, I've got my Parents Guide game movie for you. If you are ready, 
if you're ready for it. You know Joey Joe's ready. All right. So, uh, again, this, like with Conan last week, this is a movie you might not have seen. I, I think you've seen it, but I'm not sure. We didn't watch it together, so I don't know. But I think you've seen it. Yeah, believe it or not, I, I do watch movies without you, Mark. <laughs> Much like you you go on podcasts without me. Oh, very rarely, very rarely. Only to, to spread my liberal cuck politics, Mike. <laughs> yeah, because we don't have enough of those out there. Uh, okay. Cheapo. <laughs> hey, uh... This is under sex and nudity. A woman is briefly seen performing oral sex on a man while he is kissing another woman simultaneously. And then it says in parentheses, nothing explicit is shown. That was like a good time to me. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, Boogie Nights? No, although that's a very good guess. Uh, let's see. Profanity. Fuck is used 44 times. Shit is used twice. Dick is used once. Summer of Sam. Mm, no. Although that's another good movie, too. I, I think fuck is used way more times than that. I think it's funny that fuck's used so many times and shit's only used twice. <laughs> and I, damn or whatever I said, used once dick. Uh, the villain and his girlfriend are shown kissing in several instances. He sticks his tongue in her mouth and later bites her lower lip. The crow? No. That's also his sister. Ugh. Yeah. A woman grabs a man's clothed crotch. His clothes. Like, are you saying crotch. the guy is wearing clothes or the crotch itself has, like, its own outfit on? He's actually, yeah, he's actually naked except for his, his crotch. That's the only thing that's clothed. I think I put overalls on my crotch. That'd be fun. <laughs> then you get a little pocket you can keep stuff in. Mike, you'd need long johns, right? I believe that's um, canon for the show, right? I'm sorry? I, I said I believe that's canon in our show, right? I guess. <laughs> um, hmm. Uh, Robocop 2. No. Uh, <laughs> I like this. This isn't even an instance of violence and gore. This is just a warning. Not for anyone disgusted by gore. I would disagree. I don't think it's that gory of a movie, honestly. Um... But the the real clue is the protagonist is locked in an Iron Maiden-like device and his wrists are cut by blades. Blood pours from his wrists and fills the screen explicitly. Is this one of the Saw movies? No. Uh, numerous bloody shootouts. I think like three or so. Oh, that's funny if this is what I think it is. Is this the Devil's Rejects? No. Uh, two people are bitten are bitten in the neck by a burnt vampire who afterwards oh, this, uh, gets his arms. No. Not from Dust Till Dawn. Uh, let's see. Dust Till Dawn 2. The vampires are killed all the time in various ways and they explode or melt when they die. They're mostly shot, stabbed with stakes, and slashed with swords, usually with lots of blood. Is this John Carpenter's vampires? No. Uh, let's see. What's a good one here? Um, a woman and her newborn baby are shown covered with blood. 
sounds like uh, a liberal paradise to me. <laughs> two male vampires and two female vampires are stuck with needles and die in graphic and horrible ways. The first duo gets needles in their faces, which explode. The other duo's girl's head is graphically seen exploding while the man's death is the most disturbing of all as his whole body starts to swollen up, becomes red, massive and ugly, then explodes. Is this Blade 2? No, it's not Blade 2. Blade 3. No, it's not Blade 3. It's just regular Blade? It's Blade 1, that is correct. Oh, I don't remember Blade 1 that well. 1998's Blade 1. Oh, yeah, the newborn, that makes sense, because he was like a, his mother was bitten by a vampire or something? Yeah, I don't know. His mother was attacked by a vampire, and it makes him a half vampire, half badass. Activator. I don't really, I don't, I think in the comics that he's just, he's just like immune to being turned into a vampire, like he can't be turned into a vampire or something, but then the movie came out and he had all these fucking powers and shit, and and, and as it usually happens, if the movie is anywhere near successful, the comic books just follow suit with whatever the movie said. Yeah, I mean, Blade's okay, it's not my favorite movie. Uh, it was it was fine. I I saw I I saw it recently. I think for the first time I saw it recently with my wife, and who who loves that movie. And I was like, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like it's held up decently, except for the special effects. <laughs> Some of the special it, effects are really bad. I like the. Uh, I thought too was a little more horrorish. Like uh, I think Guillermo del Toro did that one. It was it was okay. Like I like the horror effects and stuff. Was pretty, were pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll check out the second one. I heard the third one's terrible. It's really bad, yeah. I saw that instead of The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou because that was sold out. Mm. Well, you didn't miss much. <laughs> no, I did see that eventually, and yeah, it wasn't really much better than Blade 3. Some people, that's their favorite Wes Anderson movie, and I don't understand those people. Yeah. But Some I, people, I uh, eat paint. Yeah. But I know you don't like Bill Bill Murphy very much, so. I mean, he's in uh, he's in like two movies I like by Wes Anderson, uh, Rushmore and um, uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially in Rushmore, he has a pretty big role. But yeah, I'm just not a big fan. Yeah, Rushmore is one of my favorite my favorite ones. Rushmore's like Wes Anderson before he became full on Wes Anderson. Yeah, I think Royal Tenenbaums is where he really slid into it yeah. like with the narration and all that shit. Yeah, Royal Tenenbaums is, is the when he turned the corner and started riding a penny farthing to uh, to set every day. And... Yeah, where he exclusively dressed in velvet for months at a time. Yes, exactly. Oh, Wes Anderson. But this is not Wes Anderson. This is... You know, I'd like to see a Wes Anderson uh, version of... Uh... Uh, Harry, not Harry, uh, what's his name? Harry and the Hendersons? (laughs) Wes Anderson, Harry and the Hendersons? Oh my god, that would be great. That would be great. It'd just be Alex Alex Baldwin without a shirt on to play uh, Harry. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) It'd be narration for for, uh, the Bigfoot uh, character the whole time. And then uh, Wes Anderson will go up to Bill Murphy and be like, how about you go with ironic detachment in this scene? <laughs> oh, look, it's a it's a giant Bigfoot. People see those every day. And then he adjusts his glasses and puts a pipe in his mouth. And he goes, I hate Mondays. <laughs> and then someone throws lasagna at him. 
<laughs> That'd be great. But it's like piping hot. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> now, what were you going to? Better that way. <laughs> what were you going to say though? No, uh, Wes Anderson's version of Willy Wonka. Oh my. Oh yeah. There you go. It'd be all uh, like stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. The whole movie would be like that little boat ride part. Right. And they'd like come with a free tab of acid as you went in. <laughs> You're going to need it. Apparently that's supposed to help with end of life anxiety, I heard. Some study said that. Acid. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. That stuff is just really unstudied and it probably has a lot of benefits, all those hallucinogens. Yeah, I would agree for the most part. We won't get into our drug history. <laughs> yeah, so, so Wes Anderson had two films before he became peak Wes Anderson, basically. Bottle Rocket and Rushmore. Huh. And then, uh, like, I mean, even Rushmore, you could kind of see the you know the hints of what he was about to turn into, like with the uh, mm-hmm. the kids filming like Serpico. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Or their play with Serpico and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So his new movie, Wes Anderson's got a new movie coming out next year called The French Dispatch and the Liberty Kansas Evening Sun. Wow, it's an anthology comedy drama written and directed by Wes Anderson. From a story by Anderson, Roman Coppola, Hugo Guinness, and Jason Schwartzman. Interesting. And it's going to focus on the foreign or the French Foreign Bureau of a fictional Kansas City newspaper. Why would a Kansas City newspaper have a French Foreign Bureau? I have no idea. Let's see who's going to be in it. Benicio del Toro. Hey. Name three actors or, or actresses that are going to be in this movie. I'll bet you. I'll bet you get at least two. Well, actually, uh, Jason Schwartzman's going to be in it. Uh, let's see. Is Jason Schwartzman going to be in it? Um, uh, yes. Okay. J- Jason, he's far down, but Jason Schwartzman is in it. Yeah, you got one. Here's a curveball. I, I, this is just a sheer guess. Nicholas Cage. Oh, I would love to see Nicholas Cage. Because he's, Cage. he's uh, Jason Schwartzman and uh, Roman Coppola's cousin, or maybe even brother in Roman Coppola's case. I would love to see him in a Wes Anderson movie. Unfortunately, no, he's not in it. Uh, Bill Murphy. Yes, Bill Murphy's going to be in it, of course. Gwyneth Paltrow? Uh, no, I don't see her. She had to uh, take her vagina to the fucking car wash that week. <laughs> She's getting ready for a new candle. Or some organic lemon juice. I, I don't think that'd be good, but who knows. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Luke Wilson. No, not Luke Wilson. Owen Wilson? Owen yeah. Wilson, yes. There you go. You got three. It's going to be Benicio Del Toro. Adrian, Bo- Adrian Brody. Yep. Yeah, that's another one. Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, uh, someone named Leah Sadu, Francis McDormand, Timothy Chalamet, or as um, John Mulaney would call him, the boy. <laughs> Did you ever hear that stand up from him? Um, I don't think so. He talks about how he's six feet tall. John Mulaney is, and he's weirdly proud of it. And his wife has a crush on Timothy Chalamet, 
And one time she walked by him and said, uh, you know, Timothy Chalamet is 6'1". And he's like, it made me so mad. So I looked it up and he was 5'11". And I said, hey, hey, you're wrong. The the boys, the boys, uh, he's 5'11". She's like, what? And he's like, the boy, the boy, he's not 6'1", he's 5'11". He's like, what are you talking about? He goes, Timothy Chalamet, he's not 6'1", I'm taller than him. He's, he's some taller than the boy. He's 5'11". She goes, I was fucking joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see jeffrey wright's gonna be in it um oh, nice. uh, liev schreiber who i like a lot elizabeth moss edward norton willem dafoe <laughs> sor sor i can never pronounce her name so soris swarcy ronan so so i was soris she was in uh fucking ladybird her didn't see it. It's not a bad movie, actually. She plays a, a mis- movie. She plays a mysterious woman, meaning any woman in a uh, fucking Wes Anderson movie. C- Christoph Waltz is going to be in it. So is Henry Winkler, Bob Balaban. You familiar with his action? No. He played. I think he. Yeah, he played the NBC executive. That uh, originally greenlit Seinfeld show and then turned it down on the television program Didn't Seinfeld. And Angelica Houston is going to be in it. Well, I do something with that, you freak. <laughs> I'll bet the Houston spelled H-O-U-S-T-O. <laughs> Griffin Dunn is Griffin Dunn's going to be in it too. I'll bet you don't know who Griffin Dunn is. I've heard the name. He Dominique Dunn was his sister who was like violently murdered by that dude. I I know I I think I've read a book by her dad. She was dating Peter Bogdanovich at the time, and then like he retired from acting for a long time. And then he did the movie Mask with Cher. He was in that? No, he directed it. Ah. Peter Bogdanovich. You remember him. He looks like a freak, kind of. No offense, Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah. He doesn't really look like a freak, freak. but he's got an interesting face. Anyway. Weird voice. Speaking of commercials. Yeah. We forgot to do one last time. Um, I'm probably just going to copy this commercial that we're about to do and then just put it into the the other episode as well. But, uh, yeah, speaking of commercials... Have you guys gotten some my bookie into you? I believe that's their their new catchphrase, Mike. My bookie, get it get it up in you. All up inside you. <laughs> the winning season is back in my bookie because you know football. If you're not a Lions fan, is in full swing and just bringing you lots of joy and distraction from these dark coronavirus times where you can't even play wolf with your family members anymore. Um, but at my bookie. It's time to celebrate the NFL season with a bunch of stuff. You know, Survivor, Super Contest, Squares. Mike's favorite, the Squares. Yeah. (laughs) But if you sign up now, your first deposit, you get a dollar-for-dollar match all the way up to $1,000 as long as you use our promo code LATEFEES. You don't have to pay any late fees with my bookie. My bookie might pay you late fees. Oh, I got my deposit, but or I got my uh, yeah, I got my 
my transfer, by the way. Uh, I won some money on my bookie, and I got a transfer to my account. Everything was all in the up and up and in, into my account very quickly, very fast, uh, much faster than their reported times, too. I think they. I think that maybe they overshoot it a little bit. They're like, "Hey, you know, it's an international wire, so you know, it could take up to seven days. It took like two days for me to get mine, so I was very pleased. Very nice. Um, very easy depositing, very easy withdrawing, and yeah, I mean, it's you, you want to go. You can't go to the casino right now. You want to go and play some blackjack over at uh, my bookie. You got that. You want to bet on some baseball games or some. Football games, you can do that over at, at my bookie. It's very simple. You just make your picks, you win big, and you collect your cash. Use our promo code late fee Z, with an S, all caps. Yeah, and with the doubling your money, you could lose half your uh, half, and still, you know, you still are a pet. It's not a beating. Exactly. Yep. Speaking of beatings. So, speak, yeah, he does kind of have a weird voice. So, speaking of people that look weird and have weird voices. The Boys. Mike, did you watch the newest episode of The Boys, knowing that you did? I did. Twice. <laughs> what did you think of this episode? It's pretty good. Yeah, I was I, I, I liked it fine. They really, really doubled down on the one aspect of the show that I'm not loving, which is like Stormfront's like, oh, these SJWs, <laughs> and it's PC gone mad. and and Yeah, the opening scene, I saw that coming from a mile away. I didn't know he specifically would shoot the clerk, but I mean, oh yeah, obviously he was going to be like a shootout type thing or something like that. Mm. And it's like, hey, that guy's internet search history is Ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson and shit like that. And it's like, yeah, I get it. And, and, and here's the thing. Uh, as most of you loyal listeners know, or can pro can probably figure out, I'm not necessarily like against the, the politic position of the show, but man, I just, it's, I don't feel it needs it. It doesn't. It's so much more interesting without it in my, in my opinion. And it's like, you know, Carol and I who, who share, similar political outlooks. We talked about it after we watched the show and she agreed with me. She was like, um, uh, she's like, it's not an escape. You know, when you, when you, uh, when you put that stuff in and I can see, I can see it from both sides. People who are conservative are going to watch that and be turned off by it. Cause they're going to be like, fuck these guys there. It's the same kind of, you know, liberal propaganda. They're, they're trying to spread about what we do and how we think and, and stuff like that. And then, some liberals, I assume, will be like, yay, cool, it's, you know, this is a reflection of our current society where real-life Nazis are somehow back. But I, I can see a lot of liberals looking at it and being like, I deal with so much of this in the news on a daily basis. I really don't want it as part of my entertainment, which is sort of where I'm coming from with it. Um, it doesn't totally dominate the storylines or the episode, which is good. But there's just a little bit too much of it for my liking. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And uh, and yeah, so I mean, that's like I said when I when I saw that at the beginning, I was like, oh no, you know, I was like, I really please don't let this show just become this for three seasons. But I, I think there's enough there of other things where it's not going to devolve into that stuff, like Butcher and his dad, and they're they're like interpersonal thing that's more interesting to me um like why is butcher the way he is 
because his dad was a cunt, apparently. And his brother committed suicide. Yeah, so yeah, we find out that his brother killed himself because his brother couldn't hack being abused by his dad, and then I guess uh, Butcher left to be part of this CIA group or, or whatever. The SAS. Yeah, and without without his protection or without his moral support or whatever it was, he you know, felt like he was just hopeless and killed himself and Butcher feels guilty for that. And that's a big driving force of why he is the way he is. Yeah, for sure. I also think it's, what was your favorite, what was your favorite part? Like, what was your favorite storyline from this episode? As always, my favorite part involves a deep, uh, <laughs> yes. like he and uh, he's, he's basically recruited a train to the, uh, the cult as well. Now they're at the, um, one of the guy's birthday parties mm-hmm. and like, and the guy, I think it's like the lead guy here over his name. He's like, Hey, what do you think about, uh, um, about, uh, what's his name? Eagle. I can't remember his actual name. It's like something yeah. Eagle. I think the, the guy's name is Alistair something. And yeah, it is Alistair. You're right. What is it like? Eagle eye or Eagle. I don't know. I don't remember. Something like that. Like, oh yeah, he's right. Like, oh he he he's actually uh, he's left the group. Like, oh yeah, he's terrible. Like, <laughs> he just immediately flip flops. Right. It's like just hilarious to see. He's a piece he's of like shit. With, like no brains or background, but he's just hilarious to mm. watch. Yeah, he his he's so he is so entertaining, and his like he train gives him a gift of some fish in a little fish bowl. <laughs> And he puts his ear up to it, and he's like, he knows me. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he knows my name. <laughs> he's so he's so tickled that this fish has heard of him. And then for like his, like, you know, uh, his, uh, like a bastard A-Train's a- been, he's actually pretty decent because he's like, how can you just immediately betray this guy? You know, he's like, he's your friend. He's the one who led you to this group that's, you know, that keep promising to get them back to the seven. And in fact, Alistair says, you know, I have a meeting with Vought or Edgar Vogel mm-hmm. in a couple days, you know, after that, it should be no issue getting you into the, back into the seven. Yeah. Even, uh, even his partner, Gretchen, uh, Gretchen Schwartz from Breaking Bad is, uh, has turned her back on that, uh, that dude, the, the archer guy. But yeah, because yeah. they, they, they've going to get him back into the seven partially because Starlight is a mole as they've found out. Cause the av the scene, the real opening scene, the scene after the little opening vignette, is her mom inviting her out for coffee because she wants to try to like reconcile with her, and it turns out it's a trap for um, Black Noir to beat the fuck out of her. Right? Yeah, her mother says like, uh, "Oh, I I called for you, you know, an hour ago. They said they didn't know where you were, but because she had her tracking tips taken out." Mm-hmm. Apparently, I was the only one, you know, that actually was there, which I kind of suspected might not be correct. Right. So then, yeah, we just see, like, a smoke grenade appear, then, like, Black Noir just shows up, and he just beats the fuck out of, like, you know, her with, like, a table. Yeah. And then... She wakes up in a, uh, like, a a prison, you know, where there's no lights or electricity, and she's, you know, trapped. She doesn't know what's going on, where she is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as it turns out, she's, she's in, what is it called, Area 42? Uh, room 101, I believe. Yeah. 42 D is exactly how I like my women. Right. (laughs) But, uh, that, that leads to one of my favorite parts where Lamplighter has agreed to testify before Congress and everyone's got like a mission to do, uh, uh, Butcher's going to see his his mother, he thinks, because his mom says that his dad has died. So he's coming to 
ate to piss on his grave or whatever. And uh, Mother's Milk and uh, I can't remember her name, the leader of the their CIA group. I can't remember her name. Uh, Mallory. Yeah, Mallory. That's right. Uh, they're going out with um, I, I what did what did Surge do? I don't even remember what they did. Uh, Surge and Kamiko. Uh, let's see. They're on a rooftop for some reason. She's kind of oh, his language. That's right. They're guarding the senator to make sure that or this the uh, congresswoman or whatever she is to make sure that she doesn't get killed by by Vought. So they're protecting her. Uh, Mother's Milk and Mallory are going to talk to the scientist that basically created Homelander. Uh, they're going to try to get him to testify as well. And then Huey gets left um, gets gets left. Uh, babysitting lamplighter who all he wants to do is watch porn <laughs> it's all porn that's like you know a purity of the seven yeah it's all superhero porn there's like uh one with the deep and for a second i thought the deep was actually in it because <laughs> that guy looked a lot like him all right knowing him he probably just wish they had ran it by him he would have tried for it right it was like do it in the blowhole or something <laughs> Something like that, yeah, yeah. And what's interesting about it is it kind of implies that Vought's okay with it on some level because, you know, they are able to very aggressively protect their trademarks. So right. they either cut some kind of deal or they're just like, you know, turn a blind eye because it would be good for publicity. Yeah. Or maybe I, because it's a parody they weren't able to prosecute. But some of it seemed like very, like, obvious, you know, like home banger instead of Homelander. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, like... Huey's very uncomfortable with this. Um, it's always kind of uncomfortable to watch pornography with another dude in the room. Yeah. It's like, what is, what's the point? Because, I mean, you know, uh, Lamplighter's not whipping it out or anything like that. Like, what's the point in watching it? Right. And as Huey points out, it is kind of something about, like, watching porn during the daytime, unless it's, like, under uh, extraordinary circumstance. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Kind of disturbing. An extraordinary circumstance, like uh, your wife went to the store. Yeah, like you're the only person in the house for once in your goddamn life. Right, five, exactly. Five minutes. Uh, but but yeah, it is it is weird. The whole thing's weird, but it's very funny. And there's this one porn where uh, some like some superhero is like cucking this guy, right? And you know he's having sex with the, this guy's wife, and Lamplighter says. Um, you know, that's me. Like I'm on the sideline now. I'm not part of the seven. I'm just the cuck now. And then Huey tries to say that he's the cuck and he goes, no, you're worse. You're the cuck fluffer. (laughs) But like, no, not at all. (laughs) And you know, they're both, they're both like, you know, lamenting how they're on the sidelines. They're not doing anything to help really. Um, and then that's when finally Huey's like, forget this. Let's turn it off. And he ch- changes the channel and finds out that Starlight has been has been captured. And, you know, Lamplighter knows where where she is, where they'd likely be keeping her. And he's like, come on, we got to go. And he, he tells him, he's like, you know, don't be the cuck. Be the, the guy fucking the... <laughs> I love this line, too. He's like... He's like, be the guy fucking the wife, you know? And he's like, yeah. And he gets up and they go, and let's go fuck the wife. And then Huey goes, consensually. Great. It's like, it's very much in his character, but it's so, it's such a weird addition. Right. But yeah, so, so they go to the Vought uh, headquarters and uh, to get even creepier, um, 
Lambler goes, yeah, we used to uh, bring college girls here. And he was like, oh, that's not good. He goes, well, they were applicants of college. <laughs> he goes, that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that kind of laugh out of me. Oh my goodness. But yeah, they they go through the thing. He and this and then is Lambler goes, oh, but oh, go ahead. I think you were about to say what I was going to say. No, go ahead. Lambert goes, oh, uh, yeah, either this will work or we'll suddenly be surrounded by guards with AKs. Yeah, this is this is a situation where I was like, this has to be a trap, right? Because he's like, I'm either going to be in the system or they've taken me out of the system. And he puts his hand on and he's in the system. And I'm like, why? He hasn't been part of the seven in so long and he's just recently, like, I mean, I guess they don't know that he's defected because he kind of smoothed things over with uh, Storm uh, Stormfront. Stormfront. Yeah, yeah, he worked there. I mean, for all they know, he you know he still works there. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just it seems weird that he'd still be in Vaught Towers systems, but I guess it's it's more plausible than I was thinking originally. Yeah, but it's funny because he mentions a, a, a character named Marathon Man as well, which is, you know, obviously they always have a speed guy, but it keeps changing. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, an NFL running back, basically. They just keep going through him. Yeah, basically, yeah. But yeah, so they... Um, Use them until you break them. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of how they, they treat running backs now. Is Adrian Peterson from Russia? Because uh, in Soviet Russia, they break you, and he does that to children. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I must break you, um. Dad. But anyway, so they uh, they, he's in the system. They go, he leads him up. He thinks he's leading him to the place where where she is. I don't know why he doesn't, but he goes up. I he's, thought he had, like, I thought he had trapped him right because he basically came into the lobby of where their head their you know their like home headquarters mm-hmm. area is. They go all the way up to the 99th floor or whatever to the, you know, where the seven sit. And he's like, oh, they took my statue down. I wanted to do it in front of my statue. He talks about how, you know, he he made his dad proud when he was six years old because he burned their house down. Right. Four, I think, actually. He, he describes oh, yeah. himself as a prodigy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was four. And, you know, like he apparently he thinks he let his dad down or, or whatever by, you know, murdering a couple kids. So he he lights himself on fire and Hugh's got to rip his hand off so that he can get out, basically. There's another weird scenario where, like, uh, much like with the acid guy, and I think that was a little bit of a foreshadowing, mm. he's not immune to his own ability, which you think would be pretty useful. Yeah. Yeah, he they they it's I mean I, who knows how this compound V works exactly, but it is weird that they're not immune. Like he should be fireproof. I mean, unless he like normally is, and he somehow was able to like subvert it with his, his control over it. I don't know. You think you know? You would think it would you wouldn't be. I guess he could always make it flow away from him, so he should be okay. I guess I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, Hugh, the in in the one. In the one aspect where I didn't think the practical effects looked awesome, because uh, they usually look very good, he cuts his his uh, arm off so that he can use the hand, and he like I think he breaks a bottle, and I'm like, yeah, I I, I felt there was no way that would cut someone's hand off. Yeah, I was like, there's no way that's going through bone, 
you know, a broken bottle. And it looks, as he's ripping it off, it looks very rubbery. So it's like, it's the one yeah, time. Would be tempting to eat that sweet charred meat? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, how often do you get the chance, you know? Flash, flash roasted. It's already cooked for you? I mean, one bite? Yeah. Come on. I'm saying. And it's a soup, too, so maybe it'd be extra tender. Maybe it will give you superpowers. Yeah, could be. Who knows? Stewie, you, or Huey, you, missed, a, uh, you missed a chance there. Yeah. But yeah, so he, he starts going out and he's going to save Starlight or whatever. Uh, the fire alarm's gone off, so Starlight is, is able to actually recharge her powers. Um, I totally agree with you, Mike. She is one of the most useless power sets ever. But obviously, it's just, again, setting her up for when she's going to kill Stormfront in the next episode, probably. Yeah. But she... um. You know, she's able to then draw that, that power and, and get out of the room, which she does. And they meet each other in a hall after saving John Cusack's older sister, I think. Uh, one of his sisters, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, which is... You know, Starlight had this ability, like in, like, you know, the 1700s, which you even know she had this ability. Seriously? <laughs> Like, oh. oh, I got struck by lightning. If that ever happens again, oh, oh, oh. right. Sorry, Starlight. Like a fucking uh, DeLorean with a big hook on the end or something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. The uh, Thomas Edison is uh, the person that really gave him her, her powers. Basically, yeah. But anyway, so they, she's like, they have this moment where they, they kind of talk, but they don't really talk. She's like, why are you here? And then they just stare at each other. And she's like, oh, you know, like, you were my hero or whatever. Whatever cheesy dialogue you want to write in their mind, because the writers were smart enough to be like, yeah, we ain't writing anything for this. Just to have them look at each other. Anything we write is going to sound fucking saccharine. Right. So then they, they rush out together. Um, and that's pretty much the end of that storyline. They go back into into hiding. Um, no, 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 not quite. I th- I th- see, I thought, we'd, I thought you may have done that out of order. Oh, yeah, that's but right. Starlight's in there, and then like, all of a sudden, Black Noir just appears, and he starts kicking the shit out of her. That's right, yeah. Yeah, they, they get into a big fight, and then it looks like she's a goner because he's like choking her out. But then Maeve comes up from behind her, uh, behind him, uh, and like shoves, <laughs> smashes him, and then shoves an Almond Joy, which they foreshadowed earlier because, you know, that's like Starlight's favorite. Uh, candy bar or whatever shoves an almond joy in his mouth and, and also also one of the earlier episodes when a uh, noir shows up to get some intel the the, the analyst is actually eating like a an almond joy or a snickers mm-hmm. yeah he makes her throw it out before he comes closer to her yeah but she's like yeah he has a tree nut allergy <laughs> which is crazy for a couple of reasons because oh my god how strong mave is she just like fucking yanks him like a child you know off the ground mm-hmm yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he goes for his EpiPen and she kicks it away. Do you think Noir is actually dead? Probably, yes. That's my guess, yes. That he's like a they zombie. I suspect at some point that maybe um maybe he'll come back as a clone or something if he's not actually dead here. Mm-hmm. But I mean he has to be dead, otherwise, you know, Maeve is a goner. Yeah, you would think so, because you know, he doesn't talk, but all he has to do is he communicates somehow. Yeah, and I guess we'll have to also just kind of assume that that camera that he had on a couple episodes ago isn't constantly, you know, active or something. Right. So again, this is, I, I like the show, but I feel that the writing is either just, they just deliberately ignore stuff sometimes, or they're just kind of lazy if they don't really go and explain some of the stuff that they've already shown. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, 
it would have been interesting if, you know, that camera has to have some kind of electrical pulse, like if she had shorted it out or yeah. something, and we saw that. Yeah, yeah that could make sense. But, uh, but yeah. So then she says to Maeve, come with us, and she's like, no, I'm not going to. And uh, she stays. Yeah, so they kind of run away with her mom. Um, and then we cut, uh, this is way out of order, I'm sure, chronologically in the episode. But right. we see Butcher go to the same scientist's house. He's looking for some more, some information about, um, mm-hmm. it's a Homelander, I think, in general. Yeah. I'm trying to find if he has a weakness. Well, he wants him to testify, too. Yeah, that too. Yeah, so, but he's like, he basically, this very politely says, you know, I'm going to kill your entire family and I'm going to bring them here so you can see their dead body, starting with your daughter in the other room. Yeah. And he doesn't think that Butcher's fucking around, so he agrees to testify. Yep. Yeah, he said no to Mallory. He's no longer suitable for this. He said no to Mallory and and Mother's Milk, but he said yes because Butcher said, I'm going to kill your daughter, then I'm going to go find your two sons and I'm going to kill them and their wives and their kids. Your whole family dies today, he says. Or you can help me out. And, yeah, and uh, pretty much no one thinks he's lying, so yeah. I don't either. I don't think it's a bluff. I think he absolutely oh, no. would. Yeah, so we, we cut to the here. Oh, no, we we have a little bit of Homelander and uh, Stormfront. They go mm-hmm. to uh, his son slash uh, ex's house. Based on his ex, I think a victim, I guess, because I think they do they do basically like just flat out say she was raped at one point. They do, and it's so weird. So she says that she was raped, and that's Butcher's working assumption as well. Now, unless she's lying, because she says that to Butcher, she doesn't say that in front of in front of Homelander. Um, but yeah, so like I said to, I'm still. I'm still incredulous because she, it just, it's weird. I guess maybe she could have gotten used to it. Cause I was going to say, it doesn't seem like how you would write someone in a show, uh, to interact with their attacker, their abuser or whatever. Um, cause she doesn't seem super afraid of him necessarily or, or anything. Like, I think, you know, she thinks that she's got the, the, um, the ace in the hole of the, the kid, you know, kind of up her sleeve that's protecting her. But, um, you know, I've, I've I've always had this thought in the back of my head that she actually just had an affair with him and then got pregnant, but right. but there's no evidence of that. And everything that's been said in the show, and it's it's such a bizarre situation to have been raped by this dude and then you know like having to raise his son, you, you, his and your son, and then one day he comes in with his fucking girlfriend who's also a super who starts like overriding you on everything. It's like, uh, it's any divorced parents, like fucking nightmare. Yeah, basically. Oh my God. It's so, so they kind of like, you know, they kind of start to turn him against her and then they just kind of like escape with Ryan and there's uh, nothing she can do. Yeah. Cause he's like, he's like, dad, uh, flew me up. Dad and Stormfront flew me up and, and showed me, that you lied to me, that there's like a whole world beyond here and like everything in here is fake. And she's like, you know, it's for your own protection and all this stuff. And she's, he's like, no, I hate you. You're a liar. Get off the phone. Exactly. So he's like, I, I wasn't even able to to enjoy the comedy of Fred Stoller in here. Right. Which really, I mean, when he says that he hates her, that's got to be a big part of the reason why. Probably. So they, uh, they yeah, they fly away. And we don't know exactly what's going to go on there, but, you know, Stormfront and him obviously want to raise this kid to be another psychopath. 
Yeah, because she sees a baby and then misses hers. You know, after she's done, like uh, basically giving like a, a Third Reich type speech. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, that's right, white babies. Remember those? Right. Oh. Let's raise BS some they, more." Right. Yeah. So they cut to this uh, hearing. It's a big to do. Uh, the guy, I don't know his character's name. Still, the scientist guy. He's actually played by a guy from uh, The Wire who played Rawls. Very good actor. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're uh, they're showing up here at this uh, thing, and also there's I, I I'll go back to that actually because it's I, before I forget. Um, but yeah, so he's going to this hearing, and all of a sudden, like you know, he's about to tr- uh, testify, and then like the senator who's upholding the hearing, his head explodes, and yeah. then uh, Rawls's head explodes, and then just people's heads are exploding left and right. Shockwave dies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't catch yeah, that. I didn't catch yeah, that yeah. Shockwave died. He's over. That's actually kind of important because uh, I, I, a lot of theories I've read on this, and it kind of makes sense, is that Alistair was in, was responsible for this somehow. Oh, like either he has like this ability, or he knows somebody who does. Because if you think about it, now that Shockwave's out, you know the most likely candidate to replace him is uh, A Train, and he did promise A Train he'd have a spot back in the seven. And now with Lamplighter gone for sure, then Starlight's out. You know, I mean, a natural replacement would be the Deep again. I mean, they could just say Starlight lied the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, that's I didn't yeah, I didn't I didn't notice that, but that's maybe maybe it is, maybe it is him. Like everyone assumes that it's that one weird chick from the Sage Cindy. Yeah, but she she was never that subtle what little we saw of her. Right. She doesn't, it doesn't feel like they could control her if they had to lock her in a cage the whole time. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Or it could be that little hero that we see sometimes and he's flying through people's brains. We really don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it would cause him to explode, though. Yeah, that's interesting. That could, that definitely could be the case. But yeah, everyone's uh, every, like a bunch of people's head starts exploding. They get the congresswoman out of there. I thought she was a goner, but they 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 get her out. She lives. But yeah, they uh, so obviously that's not going to work. Although you know? I, I wonder what the, what the fallout from that'll be. A bunch of superheroes are just standing around, like, what the fuck's going on? Right, and and I, ironically, uh, Shockwave, the fastest man on Earth, couldn't didn't think to run away. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that that's basically the episode. Um, pretty good episode. Uh, you know, another really good ending, like usual. The you know, great part was when these heads are exploding. They cut to the deep, and he puts his hands on his own head, like he thinks he's gonna explode. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's watching it, and he's like, oh, oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, that would um, that would make a lot of sense if that Alistair dude was behind it. He had some superpower that we don't know. Yeah. Wow. That would make him more powerful than L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> <laughs> would it though? Well, you know, I don't know. They got uh, they got Tom Cruise, the man with the most maniacal laugh in the world. And somebody else, uh, another thing I was reading, pointed out that, uh, you know, how he knows all this stuff about um, A-Train. He, maybe he's just reading his mind. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he's got some sort of, like, that's like a Professor X-type power, right? Where, like, he's got telekinesis right, and right. he can also, like, just kill people with his mind. Now, and that would make sense for, like, you know, at least the comic, the boys, to, like, have it be, like, a sly reference to the X-Men, like, where, like, there's this, like, telepath guy, I mean... You basically just kind of have to assume he's telling you the truth. I mean, you don't know mm-hmm. any different, you know? Right. I mean, if it turned out at the, at the, end, at the end of the day, the X-Men were really just being 100% manipulated by Charles Xavier, and he made him think they were doing moral things, but, you know, he was just brainwashing them. I mean, how, how would you ever know? 
Yeah, that's a very good point. But it's also interesting that they seem almost like a marketing, you know, group where they want to get, you know, them back into the seven for some reason. I don't know if they like a retainer or they just want to spread their ideas. You know, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I think the higher profile their members are, it's probably better for them because it's a good marketing tool, basically. Yeah, much like actors. And he does say maybe he did have this meeting with Vought and he told Vought, he goes, hey, I can make this hearing go away for you, but I also need you to help me out with getting these two guys back in here. Mm. And, you know, don't worry about Shockwave. Yeah, because they're like, well, we got to do something shockwave. He's like, I'll take care of it. Great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would make a lot of sense. That's yeah, definitely a possibility. The last episode. Yeah, the last, uh, this last episode, I think, is going to be interesting. And, yeah, I hope uh, it answers a lot of questions. Or, and it'd be great if it was like an extra long episode. But yeah, I, I, hate, I hate when they tease stuff out like from once. I mean, they've been renewed for season three already. But I hate when they tease shit out from like one season to the next. You know, it's annoying sometimes. Yeah, I don't want it to end on a like a huge cliffhanger or anything like that, like TV shows used to do. I mean, if any show could do it, it would be this one. And I, I have to say, I do. I actually am enjoying the week by week format. You know, it's it's kind of nice to wait for a show sometimes. I'm like, you know, we did the watch party. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Matt and I did the watch party twice. You know, uh, it's it's kind of fun to watch with a friend, and you know, you kind of have like a common like topic of conversation. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk my wife into watching it. You know, but I mean, I don't know if she'd like it. She's not really into superhero stuff, but you know, I, I it's I feel like it's a Game of Thrones type show where I'm not a big fan of fantasy, and I know she isn't. But it's if you watch the first episode, you like it, you'll probably like the show because you kind of get everything about it in the first episode. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that first episode is a very I think it's a very good introduction to exactly what the show is. So it's like if you if you don't like the first episode, then you probably won't like the show, so you don't need to watch it anymore. But if you like the first episode, then you're gonna like what this show's about. Because yeah, it's it's not it's crazy how much stuff happens in the first episode. Yeah, it really is. But it's like you know, people get people got burned out, and I think they still are kind of burned out on the whole superhero genre stuff. And I think this is the perfect kind of show for that because it's. It's just a, I don't even know if I want to say it's a deconstruction of it. It's so far away from it. Like I said, Garth Ennis uh, hates superheroes and thinks superheroes are stupid and doesn't like to, to do stories about superheroes. So like in everything that he does, superheroes are either like evil or just incompetent mostly. And I, you know, that's a big driving force. Uh, behind you know his writing of the sh- this this comic book, and I think it's a it carries over to the show. Yeah, I feel that you don't go as extreme in the show, which isn't a bad thing. I think it's a much nice, if it were exactly like the comic, like the comics, like almost like you know like in, in, intentionally grotesque in certain mm. ways. You know, they're trying to go out of their way to be extra shocking. Like that's part of the part of the thing with the comic. But yeah, I, I really I feel that they do a really good job. You know, here at least, um, you know, having a nice balance. Yeah, I agree. Well, that is our episode for the week. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. Do you know if you've come this far, tell one friend about the show. Help us spread our message of peace, love, and soul, just like uh, Cornelius would have wanted. Don Cornelius would have wanted. Don Cornelius. Yep. Cornelius. Don Cornelius. That's right. That was his birthday. It's just. It's like. Um. It's like Billy D. He was Williams. Bye for a bit. You know, uh, Billy D. Williams' middle name is December, so his name is William December Williams. Very good. All right, we will see you next time. Bye. We'll see you next week.